Welcome to episode 109 of the Search with Candor podcast, recorded on Friday the 30th of April 2021. My name is Mark Williams-Cook and today I'm going to be talking about SERP refinements and two Google updates, which is the Google product review update and the page experience update, which I'm sure many of you know has been moved back a little. Before I kick off this episode, I would like to tell you it is kindly sponsored by Sightbulb. If you haven't heard of Sightbulb before, it's a desktop Windows and Mac auditing tool for SEO. It's something we've used in our agency for quite a few years now. Um, it's something I personally use in pretty much every, well, pretty much every SEO project I work on. I run at least one Sightbulb crawl. Uh, I've spoken about it in the last few dozen episodes, really, and gone through various uh, features of Sightbulb that particularly make it useful and set it above kind of other similar tools. And today I just wanted to uh, talk about how previously I've said with Sightbulb you can you set up your project and you can run multiple crawls right and the advantage here is you can actually compare the differences between those crawls historically so you can see what's been changed what's improved and how you're doing one other really helpful feature that they've added is you can actually share audits between users or different Sightbulb installs because Sightbulb works on a per user basis. So this means if you've got an audit that you need to share or move about, you can actually go to that audit overview page as a share button and it exports um, into a proprietary format for Sitebulb which is SBP and you can actually send this to another Sitebulb user and they can import it. It's really helpful especially for me when I'm moving around machines or we're trying to share data around the agency and uh, it means rather than just share kind of an end PDF you've got the actual data you can import into Sightbulb. Sightbulb's got a special offer for listeners of Search with Candor, which means you can get a 60-day free trial of their software, no credit card or anything required. All you have to do is go to sightbulb.com forward slash SWC. It's sightbulb.com forward slash SWC, and you can get going right away. We're going back to our uh, classic cola format in this episode. So we've had now the last half a dozen or so episodes. I've been, um, I've had the pleasure to interview various people. Um, we did a whole set of people from the Women in Tech SEO group, and we've spoken about all sorts of stuff from you know technical SEO to content mapping. So check out those episodes if you haven't already. And in this time, um, a lot of stuff has happened in SEO and there's two major kind of updates that are, well, one's live and one is coming, which is the product review update is already here and the page experience update. And I want to talk a little bit about them. Um, but before we kick off, something um, I saw earlier this week really interested me and it's around what we're guess I guess we're kind of calling refinement SERPs. 
And it was actually a tweet by Claire Carlisle, who if you don't follow, I recommend you do. I'll put a link to her original tweet in the show notes and you'll be able to find everything I speak about in this episode, uh, links to things I'm referencing at search.withcanda.co.uk and that will take you to a transcription of all of our episodes um, and it will link between anything uh, I mentioned. So if I mention another episode, it will be there. So what I saw Claire tweet was uh, really just a question saying, what are we calling these? And Claire posted a screenshot of a Google search where she had done a search just for storage. And rather than get our kind of 10 blue links or map packs or anything, what was at the top of the search page was refine household storage containers. And then we've got by material, by type. Um, by holiday storage so by material we've got things like plastic fabric wood by type we've got crate open top box lidded box and of course um barry (laughs) not new shorts uh from search engine roundtable jumped in with a link all the way back to 2017 so four years ago where we had seen google experimenting uh with similar kind of serps Um, Again, I'll put a link to that 2017 article in the show notes, but it just shows that around um, searches like garden furniture, we'd seen some refining around different types of material. Now, these older examples do appear to only be shown at the bottom of the search page, as far as I can see. And the one that Claire's pointed out is, is really like front and center. So why am I bothering mentioning this to you if it's a quote-unquote not new thing? I think there's two two important things to think about here. Firstly, um, like with data we get from people also ask, I think this kind of breakdown is really helpful for your own websites in terms of the user experience, the search uh, journey, and how you're structuring your pages and content and your filters so if we know if you if you're selling storage google's giving you this information that people are interested in storage by material type and by the type of actual storage whether it's i said a crate an open top box or a lidded box so this is giving you some very clear guidance about what ideally should be search accessible so one of the biggest challenges when it comes to faceted and filtered navigation is which parts should we open up to search engines um, and which parts should we close off because we don't want them getting stuck in these incredibly kind of deep rabbit holes of crawls. So firstly, I think this information gives a very clear bit of guidance about does our site serve all of these individual um, wants and needs that we can see. And the, the other The other thing from the search journey point of view is one of the challenges of using search as a channel is that search kind of by definition requires people to know something. They need to know, um, they need to know the solution to the problem. So, you know, I've got children's toys all over the floor, therefore I need some storage and I want it to be lidded or they need to know the problem. So that's higher up in like this research Uh, stage and it's a common problem actually when you have new businesses with brand new products where maybe the end user doesn't even know they have a problem so to to give you an example I worked with um, a client 
uh, a couple of years ago who specialized in a type of insurance for people that were hosting Airbnb, okay? And the reason was that generally their normal household insurance doesn't cover Airbnb guests. Now, one of the issues they had at the time was not many people knew that. They just assumed that they didn't need any other kind of extra insurance to do Airbnb. So the search volumes for things like Airbnb insurance were very low because people didn't even know it was a problem. So while search can be, you know, really powerful, as we know, channel to uh, find out or put put your customer, your product in front, in front of the customer when they're doing that search and when they know what they want, it's tricky when they're not at that stage yet. So the other usage, I think, of this refinement is <clears throat> from Google's point of view, if someone is just doing the search that Claire has highlighted here, which is storage, they may not actually have thought about the different types of storage or even really realize that, yeah, you can get fabric storage or wood storage or plastic. So this then opens up your opportunities in terms of content to educate people around this on your site. So to take this example, you know, what are the instances when you might want to use plastic over wood or fabric over wood, for instance, um, or, you know, the uses for lidded box versus crates. Um, so I think in this, it's very easy just to look at this SERP and be like, oh yeah, cool. You know, that's that's interesting. But actually, if you dig a little deeper, I think there's a lot of information there that's potentially helpful to your SEO campaigns. So maybe have a look at that tweet and just think about how those kind of refinements could impact what you're doing and what you're planning. I'm going to briefly cover now as well Google's product reviews update and I'm just going to read you a little excerpt from the Google Search Central blog which was posted on Thursday the 8th of April 2021 and it was entitled what creators should know about Google's product reviews update again search.withcanda.co.uk for the show notes and I'll link to this post if you want to read the whole thing so they say Google search is always working to show the most useful and helpful information possible through testing, experimenting and review processes. From this, we know people appreciate product reviews that share in-depth research rather than thin content that simply summarizes a bunch of products. That's why we're sharing an improvement to our ranking system, which we call the product reviews update that's designed to better reward such content. So this may sound familiar to people who were doing SEO around the time of the Panda update, which again was focused on what Google described as thin content. Personally, I know a few uh, affiliate marketers that were negatively impacted by this. So, you know, some affiliate sites were concentrating quite heavily, let's say, on the curation of this data from various sources and and doing comparisons that maybe didn't offer um, enough value at least in terms of how Google was, was rating those pages so there wasn't much there in in the way of in-depth analysis so so they they suffered in the rankings um, Google go on to say this update is going out today so this this updates already live 
and only involves English language reviews for now. Again, that's a that's a pretty standard thing we've seen with Bert and with other with other updates that Google generally seems to roll out these these upgrades in English first. I think it's the language that they do a lot of their processing and have some of the largest data sets in. We believe this will further help those producing rich content in the product reviews area. So again, this sentence is talking about how like the advice they give on their broad core updates, they're looking to improve the ranking of people that are doing, you know, providing this type of content rather than penalizing people based on some other metrics. And they go on to give some advice here. So for those creating content, here are some additional useful questions to consider in terms of product reviews. Do your reviews express expert knowledge about products where appropriate? Show what the product is like physically or how it is used with unique content beyond what's provided by the manufacturer. So again, really interesting because lots of e-com sites, um, review sites, sometimes just pull in uh, from APIs or from product descriptions, just this stock text, these stock images. And number three is provide quantitative measurements about how a product measures up in various categories of performance. Explain what sets a product apart from its competitors. Cover comparable products to consider or explain which products might be best for certain uses or circumstances. Discuss the benefits and drawbacks of a particular product based on research into it. Describe how a product has evolved from previous models or releases to provide improvements, address issues, or otherwise help users in making a purchase decision. Identify key decision-making factors for the product's category and how the product performs in those areas. For example, a car review might determine that fuel economy, safety, and handling are key decision-making factors and rate performance in those areas. And lastly, describe key choices in how a product has been designed and their effect on the users beyond what the manufacturer says. So I think that's that's what three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine points Google's given you just around product reviews, which you can pretty much copy and paste and give to uh, reviewers, I think, as as a checklist to say, are we doing these things? Because already just even writing those questions out is, is getting quite detailed and a lot of those reviews that certainly I see online don't do these things. So I'd be interested to see how this is going to impact reviews. Um, really interested for anyone that works specifically on review sites. Maybe um, if you want to contact me and let me know if you've been affected by this update, I'd be really interested. I don't myself actually have many contacts I can think of that work primarily in reviews but again if that's something you're doing for your site you know there's lots of different um, kinds of publication that are going to be doing this from you know PC game reviews to actually dedicated sites that host reviews that's going to be your um, your list to stick to. We're talking page experience update again. Um, so we've covered 
Core Web Vitals a few times now on the podcast and obviously the announcement when it first happened that this page experience update was being rolled out and I'm sure um, a few of you have heard that this month in April Google announced they're actually going to delay the rollout which originally was set for May to add Core Web Vitals as ranking factors to now mid June and it's going to be a gradual rollout as as we've been told but here's what I found again is really interesting so why am I bringing this up again about page experience so to give you one of the headlines that I'm interested in and we'll delve into it is that it was until today and maybe I'm late to the party on this that I I realized that this page experience update isn't just adding core web vitals um, into the mix it's actually it's actually looking at all of Google's page experience factors. So things like HTTPS, um, things like the intrusive ads, things uh, like mobile friendliness, and they're all being reweighted. Um, and I'll, I'll show you how I came to that conclusion, but it, I kind of hadn't processed that before. I was just thinking, okay, we're going to now have core web vitals are going to be added to the algorithm, um, which is a pretty poor way to think about it, to be honest. But what's happening is... I think the best way I can describe it is the part of the algorithm that Google describes as this page experience part um, is having Core Web Vitals added to it. And therefore, actually, when you think about it, it makes sense that those other metrics that they look at also need to be reweighted, right? Because if we're going to end up with an overall page experience score, which we know Pretty much we do have because of the new report in Search Console, which I'll go through um, in this section as well. Um, but all of those things are going to need to be reweighted because you can't just add in new metrics and not reweigh uh, existing metrics. So for those that haven't had time to read it, I'm just going to again touch on the Google announcement on the Google Search Central blog. So this was posted on Monday the 19th of April, so about just over uh, a week ago, 11 days ago from when I'm recording this. Again, of course, guess what? I'll link to it in the show notes. If you want to read the whole thing, I'm just going to read out a few bits that I find particularly interesting. So gradual rollout starting in mid-June this year. We'll begin using page experience as part of our ranking systems beginning mid-June 2021. However, page experience won't play its full role as part of those systems until the end of August. You can think of it as if you're adding a flavouring to food you're preparing. Rather than add the flavour all at once into the mix, will be slowly adding it all over this time period. I'm kind of laughing there because I don't know why. Google just always seems to use like recipes and cooking as examples and analogies for everything. Uh, It just makes me smile. Okay, uh, where were we? As we have said before, while this update is designed to highlight pages that offer great user experiences, page experience remains one of many factors our systems take into account. Given this, sites generally should not expect drastic changes. I'm going to read that again. Given this, sites generally should not expect drastic changes. In addition, because we're doing this as a gradual rollout, we will be able to monitor for any unexpected or unintended issues. So a couple of things I want to just interject there myself. 
Um, I'm not going to name any names here. I saw on LinkedIn um, the founder of quite a well-known SEO agency was talking about this page experience update and saying how Google wasn't being very transparent, which I'm not sure I particularly agree with. They seem to be communicating what's changing. They've given us specific metrics. They've given us timelines. They've told us roughly about the impact. So I'm not sure what more they could offer, but fair enough. But one thing I did disagree with and I thought was kind of misleading was they did this, um, uh, well, they had some analysis where they said, look, you know, Core Web Vitals, sites that have good Core Web Vitals seem to be ranking better already. So we think they're already ranking signals. But look at this. When you look at YouTube, YouTube performs terribly, um, yet it still ranks for lots of things, but it's a Google product. Hmm. Sort of, I think, trying to suggest, you know, Google's giving itself a get-out-of-jail-free card when it comes to ranking factors and Core Web Vitals. And I just thought this whole thing was a complete mess. Um, and the reason is, you know, as as they actually, in fairness, said about, you know, correlation, causation, da-da-da-da, um, that's a pretty boring discussion. But, you know, if, if sites are performing well, um, they, they've normally been engineered to do so. If they're doing well on Core Web Vitals, right, um, there's very few sites, except maybe really, really old ones, like 90s websites, um, that perform well on Core Web Vitals without a specific effort to do so. Generally, the sites that have had a specific effort to do so is because they have SEO teams or at least um, developers that are SEO savvy that have been pushing these changes. So it makes sense to me that the sites that are doing well in Core Web Vitals rank well because they probably have SEO teams working on them. Fine, there isn't a way to definitively prove or unprove that. It just doesn't make much sense to me that Google would roll out this change ahead of time and then lie to us about when they're doing it. I don't see the benefit, but fine. The, the thing I wanted to mainly talk about was this YouTube and, oh, why does YouTube rank well when, um, you know, they perform poorly on Core Web Vitals? And I, I've seen Google and John Mueller specifically talk about this in regard to Core Web Vitals, not about YouTube, but about how Google is still like content first, right? If, if your site is excellent at Core Web Vitals and mine is a bit rubbish, but I've got really great content and you've got like two lines about something, I'm still probably going to rank better than you, right? Because I've got stuff that you don't have that's matching what people are searching for. The fact that your site's fast and content doesn't um, move around and it's quick to interact with, that doesn't override the fact that you're missing the content. And I think this is what's applicable to YouTube. You know, can you name a video platform that offers the same kind of content in the same breadth and depth as YouTube? that's publicly crawlable probably no well no there isn't one you know the amount of UGC on on YouTube is massive so of course it appears for incredibly wide range of searches and for any site that's trying to serve you know petabytes of video um, core web vital stuff is going to be a challenge because video is big right so it's again it, it's not about scoring great on these core web vitals it would be about you know, maybe if it was a tiebreaker and there was another YouTube, it would be, yeah, who can give the most optimized performance? That's going to that's gonna give you an edge in those rankings. So I, I do think it's misleading when um, the, it's dressed up 
like this. So, you know, Google's been clear here. It's not going to be um, drastic changes. I, I think personally, maybe that when they've been doing tests that they've seen, um, they've seen rankings change in a way that they don't want them to which is why they're doing this gradual rollout and, as they say, monitor for any unexpected or unintended issues because they can't monitor the whole, um, you know, all of their search results. They are relying on people to feed back like, hey, my site's great, it ranked really well, now it's now it's doing terribly, why is this? Um, and we, we saw similar things um, in March 2020 when Google ruled out, uh, rolled out sorry, some um, broad core changes and they were kind of reversed later. So hopefully that's given you some 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 things to think about there. The the other two bits I want to talk about is what's included in the update and the new page experience report in Search Console. So this is, as I said at the top of this section, what really surprised me. So details on what will be included in this update. As previously announced, the page experience update will consider several page experience signals, including the three core web vital metrics, LCP, FID, CLS, Again, we've written, spoken about them before. Now, that that wording there just made it completely clear to me that, yes, the other page experience signals, HTTPS, uh, mobile-friendly, safe browsing, all that stuff is going to get a rejig, um, I think, in this update. So I'll be interested to see how um, there's a few sites I'm watching closely that have incredibly intrusive pop-ups and ads when you visit them, how they perform. Um, Google reminds us as well in this section that AMP, so the accelerated mobile pages format, is no longer required to uh, appear in the top stories uh, carousel and they're going to stop um, showing the AMP badge icon to indicate AMP con content. Again, this is something we've, we've spoken out before and it's really interesting to see Google take a step back on that and push the core web vitals forward. I think the you know, this, the overall strategy is pretty much the same, which is we want performant mobile content. Core Web Vitals is a good way to measure that. So it doesn't matter whether it's AMP or not. As long as it performs well on these metrics, we can be fairly certain users are going to get a good uh, experience. And again, roll into the other page experience stuff like mobile friendly. So I just thought that was really interesting. So when you're thinking about this page experience update, don't get too blinkered thinking just about Core Web Vitals we need to think about the, the other page experience factors. And quite recently, um, I, I haven't had time to explore it in depth, we did get this new page experience report in Search Console. So Google says, to provide you with more actionable insights, we're introducing the page experience report. This report combines the existing Core Web Vitals report with other components of the page experience signals, such as HTTPS security, absence of intrusive interstitials, safe browsing status, and mobile friendliness. The page experience report offers valuable metrics such as the percentage of URLs with a good page experience and search impressions over time, enabling you to quickly evaluate performance. You can also dig into the components of page experience signal to gain additional insights on opportunities for improvement. Um, this report, it, does, it makes me laugh because it's so brutal. Um, it just has this big kind of header at the top that says, you know, your site has X percentage of URLs with good page experience. And I've seen several clients and several websites where I load up this page experience report and it just says, your site has 0% URLs with a good page experience. 
I think that's a really good um, headline to go in with maybe when you need to get attention and talk about this update. Um, it is nicely broken down the signals into core web vitals, mobile usability, security, HTTPS. So it does give you, it, it's like a really, it's a really useful report to act as a narrative for what you need to do. Um, so if you haven't explored that yet, um, you can't miss it. If you log into Search Console, there is literally a little new section on the left called Experience. Um, and in there, you've got Page Experience, Core Web Vitals and Mobile Usability. So if you just click on Page Experience, you'll get that report um, and see you can see what percentage Google has kind of passed or failed, if you like, your pages. So I think really interesting set of updates we've seen on Google. Um, I still don't think we're going to see, you know, as Google says, massive changes um, with this page experience stuff. But I do hope we see a slight improvement in some of the sites Google is choosing to rank. But we will have to wait and see. And that's everything uh, I've got time for in this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to be back in one week's time, which will take us into May. So it will be Monday, the 10th of May. 2021 that I'll be back talking about some other stuff about SEO and PPC. Um, we're planning to go back, uh, at least some of us, to our offices. So we may have the opportunity to speak to Rob again to talk more about PPC. And lastly, actually, while I have your attention still, hopefully, I want to just say if you go to withcanda.co.uk, you'll see we have actually got three job openings at the moment for an SEO specialist, a PPC specialist and an account manager. Um, I'm looking really hard trying to find someone uh, to fill, well, three people to fill these roles to join our team. So if you think that might be you, check out the job description, see if it sounds like something you could, you could live with. <laughs> uh, apart from that, I hope you all have a brilliant uh, week and hope you tune in for the next episode. Bye. -bye.